evening, LCM. Tonight is December 16, 2020. It's a Wednesday night. We're in the midst of a metamorphosis. Can somebody say amen? Come on now. We're just going to just punch in and fix things. It's all metamorphosis. right. Metamorphosis. Look, tonight is the sixth sermon in the series already. Come on now. The Lord is doing something in our midst. We've learned how to deal with Joab. We know that oh, we've yeah. got to crucify him because we learned that from our suffering king. We know how to become like Abishai through the shepherding king that we learned about in Psalm 23. We know that its eye is our goal because we are after and honoring our superior king tonight. Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on now. We also learned about a wedding story. Anybody remember our wedding story that we talked about? We learned that we are supposed to become exactly like the groom. What an encouraging thought for us today. You know what? There was a lot of reaction in our church body after we had that sermon. There were people who were so moved by it that they, were, that they have been flying high in the Lord. They've been doing great. There have been others that have been so uh, struck with the idea that we're supposed to be like our groom. It's caused a lot of tension amongst us. What a good sermon that was. We didn't leave anybody in the middle. Amen. We're either going towards godliness or we got upset that, that about what the godliness that still needs to happen in us. Man, there is a serious metamorphosis going on inside of us. This is awesome. We learned how to be armed with evidence. And on Sunday, we learned that difficulties develop the divine. Come on, somebody just smile at me if you remember Sunday. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's good. Hey, look, we got something really good in store for you guys this coming Sunday. I mean, we, we've been building in this series because we're, we're going to land at some place that is phenomenal. We got a word for you that is going to inform and direct the next several years of our lives. I mean, we're talking about changing one life at a time today, tomorrow, and for the next couple of decades. This is going to be a word that will set us up for that. We're going to look into the prophets to discern what must soon take place, where, saints? In us, here, and what will soon take place in our day and time, the season in our culture, what's coming up. We just want to get you ready. See, when you look ahead at what is to come, it's going to take guts to stand in the midst of difficult times. Can, can somebody say guts? Guts. Yeah, it's going to take even more guts to display joy because you know that the difficulties are developing something divine in you. That makes me think about a Proverbs 31 kind of woman. Makes me think about my wife. Makes me think about some of the godly folks in here. In Proverbs 31, 25, it says she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh. At the days to come. Oh, yes, you Come can. on, somebody laugh at the days to come. <laughs> if y'all ever need to get a good laugh, just walk over to Daniel Cho and ask him to laugh for you. That's a good laugh. Just on command, ask Baj to make him laugh, and it is the best thing. It will brighten up your day. Or just walk by him and laugh at him. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> oh. Hey, so we want to let you know it takes guts. It takes guts to look on the onslaught of the enemy and laugh at the days to come. It's not just for those mighty women of God, but it's for each and every one of us sitting in this house tonight. It's going to take guts. In fact, that's the title of tonight's sermon, Metamorphosis Guts. Come on, give me a G. G. Give me a U. Q. Give me a T. Give me an S. S. What does that spell? Guts. Amen. Come on now. Man, I love my family. This is awesome. Church, we worked our way through Matthew 22 through 25 on Sunday. We saw the last public sermon. We saw a rebuke of the leadership. We saw him, his last extended teaching to the disciples as recorded in Matthew. The events of Matthew 22 through 25 led us up to the time period of two days before the Passover, yep. two days before Jesus would be crucified. Tonight, we're going to look at the book of John to help us give us the guts that we need for the metamorphosis into kingdom kind of combatants. We're going to look at the teaching of Jesus during the Last Supper. You guys ready for that? That means you need to turn to John chapter 13 as we get going and call out guts when you get there. All right, so before we start reading in John 13, the setting is that they are all gathered at the Last Supper. Keep that in mind. 
John 13, verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered. Uh, wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Are, and you are clean, though not every one of you. See, what's happening here is the Passover, the Pesach meal. Jesus was showing them the full extent, the talios of his love, in particular, his loving plan. He was laying out a model before them. He was washing their feet, and there was a goal for which that was being set up for, for the disciples to follow. See, in Jesus' position, he's the rabbi. He's got 12 Talmud with him. Talmudim. It took some guts for Jesus to do this. To put on a servant's garment, to kneel down and begin to wash their feet. And let me point out one particular reason that it took some guts. Remember we read in the passage, and you are clean, though not every one of you. This is pointing to someone specific standing in that room attending the last Passover meal. His name was Judas. Come on, to put on servants' garments and bend down and wash Judas' feet. Knowing full well he's been stealing from the money bag and what he is about to do to, to, be, to betray you and hand you over. See, Jesus was never worried about his title. He just had guts to do God's will. And he set about the task to unify. Say unify. Unify. His task was to unify his followers. That's why he said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, this unification had to be achieved through the sanctification process of washing. Guts is when you are doing God's will while under persecution. Even if it's a silent persecution inside the other person, you still have the guts to kneel down in a servant's attitude and wash their feet in any way. Off to a good start, aren't we? Yeah. Jesus is unifying his followers here in the face of someone that he knows is about to betray him. Let's look at verse 18. It says this, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. Man, Jesus is thinking about the Word of God. He is the Word of God. He's got, I've got something very specific in mind. This passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens. So that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Come on, are you, hearing, are you hearing some language here that would refer back to Isaiah? Are you hearing some language here about the I am who's in Exodus? Are you hearing some things here? He's saying, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to happen beforehand. Now look, when we get to Sunday, we're going to tell you some things that are about to happen in our day and time. We're going to tell you beforehand what's going to go on. See, but before we get there, we've got to make sure that we're getting unified as a body. We've got to make sure that we're prepared for what's coming. See, Jesus had the guts to get some work done to unify first. He's now staring into the eyes of his disciples. He's now looking at them, including Judas, and he begins to testify. Somebody say testify. Testify. And what does he start to do? He said, I'm going to tell you something ahead of time. Aren't you glad that God doesn't move without making his will known to the prophets? Aren't you glad that God is ever after making his word more certain in our lives in every kind of way? Jesus can testify to God's plan. He's not surprised even as he's washing their feet, even as he's moving forward. See, this is the right word at the right time in the right season. Anybody ever had a good word, but you missed the timing on it? Anybody ever come up to one of the pastors or somebody running the mic for a service and you're like, I got the word. Yeah, that was the word, but that was for about 23 minutes ago. Good job. You heard from the Lord. Well, yeah, I've been kind of back here wondering if, if, if this was a word from the Lord or not. Yes, it was, but not for now. I don't know about y'all, but I've missed it before. I've had the right thought, but it was at the wrong time, which makes it just the wrong thought. 
See, Jesus is not like that. He's telling them ahead of time, so as it begins to take place, they're going to be ready to take their stand. Jesus testifies to the power of Scripture. He testifies to the betrayal brought about by the brotherhood of the bread here. He is testifying in advance so that his sanctified ones can be strengthened in their faith. I'm telling you this before it happens, so when it does, you'll believe that I am who I am. He's not even saying you'll believe that what I've said is correct. He'll say you understand and we'll get a revelation about who I am. This is supposed to give these men the guts to hold faithful. And it's going to do the same thing inside of us. The guts to hold faithful in demonstrating joy in difficulty. Are you starting to look at your difficulties a little bit different, church? Are you starting to go, wait, I want to kind of crumble, but I'm going to rise up and put a smile on my face and have joy in my heart. Boy, it's one thing to force a child to smile when they're getting disciplined or just immediately post-discipline. You smile. You fix that right now. (laughs) It's another thing when it is in their heart and it begins to come out and they go, thank you. Thank you for loving me. It's one thing for us to tell you to put a smile on your face and because you love us and because we're family, you do it. It's another thing to be in the midst of difficulty and be able to testify to the joy that's actually in your heart because joy comes out of your life. Come on now, that's something, the guts to know that trials are transforming you. Come on, bring it on. Bring it on. Here we go. But I'm going to keep joy all the way through this. The guts to know that the divine is being developed in you. Come on, that is something that we can testify about. That's what Jesus is doing here in John chapter 13. Uh, I want to give you guys an imagery of what that looks like to have guts to face the difficulty that's developing the divine in you. It's with both hands raised just like this. Both hands raised saying, yes, bring it on. I got guts to face it because I'm going to do God's will. And his divine nature is going to be developed inside of me. Watch the divine well up inside of me and overcome my sinful nature. Overcome my fear. I got guts to do this. Let's look at verse 31. When he was gone. Now, yep, we were just talking about Judas. Okay. Yeah, when who was gone again, Pastor? Uh, Judas. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. Whoa. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. See, this is Judas exiting the building. He's headed out to go finalize the betrayal that he would bestow upon Jesus. And the end result is that the wicked payment that he received, he would go and buy a field that then he would hang himself and there his guts would fall right out on the ground. But you know what? Before his physical guts spilled over onto the soil, he lost his guts many, many times before he ever got there. He had no fortitude, no intestinal fortitude. But praise God, the story continues even though Judas goes off to go do that. It says, now, now the Son of Man is glorified. Now, during persecution, it's time to glorify. Say glorify. Glorify. Oh, that's guts to be able to say something like that. See, God is glorified in the man who not only perseveres, but rejoices under trials. Rejoices in the midst of difficulties, abandonment, and every kind of betrayal. See, God is after his glory. Glory for his name and glory in those who join themselves to him. And what was the time frame that his glory would be revealed? At once is how the scripture ended. Well, we want to show you a pie chart that can easily illustrate exactly what we're talking about. Come on, on the upper left-hand side, it starts with glorify. It then continues in a clockwise motion to unify, coming down to the 6 o'clock position to testify, and it comes right on back to glorify. You put G for glorify, U for unify, and T for testify, and you have guts. Come on, it takes guts to do God's will, and he's always after these three items. Let's look at John 14, church. 
This is what happened in John 13. We just told you about the guts that it takes for what Jesus was doing, beginning with washing his disciples' feet, unifying with them, beginning to testify of the works of the Lord, and then specifically speaking to us about how to glorify God under difficult circumstances. Now, I love that part. Oh, yeah. Judas just walked out of the building. Judas is going to miss all of the rest of the teaching that you're about to get. Instead of being there, he's going to miss the understanding of what the Holy Spirit does, of Jesus' prayer for unity. He's going to miss it all because he didn't have the guts to make it. But here in this church, come on, we are developing some serious people, some serious students, some serious disciples who have the guts to go through anything necessary to advance in the kingdom. John 14 and verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Oh, thank you, Lord. Anybody feel the the power of the Lord upon those words for you tonight? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to go there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. If I'm going to go and do this, I promise you that there's going to be an opportunity to unify with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus has just talked about glorifying the Lord through the difficult times. Now he's encouraging his sanctified ones that he will, in fact, unify with them. Man, isn't that a good promise that we have today, church? That you're not going through the difficulties alone. That God himself, that Jesus Christ has promised to come and be with you. See, he's, his leaving is not time for being troubled. This is the last supper, as we would say. He's about to have to deal with the cross and everything that's there, but also have to get the glory of the resurrection. And he's saying, now is not the time to be troubled. Now is not the time to be worried about what is yet ahead. You come and be with me. They are to have the joy that from the heavens because they know the way to the place where he's going. You know the way. Wait a minute. How, how can we know the way? Wait, wait, wait a minute. You know this way. Uh, the Lord is telling, Jesus is telling them this. He's already speaking it to him. He's saying, you know what the way is? This way is you're going to have to have guts to get where I am and to be with me. And he begins to work through this in a beautiful way. Let's look down at verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. I like it when it's plainly stated. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. See, after Jesus had worked to unify his followers, he then begins to testify. Oh, pastor, I'm beginning to see a pattern here. He begins to testify about the obedience and love and the unification between those two that is demonstrated to the Father. If you really love him, you will obey his commands. He also begins to testify that our love will be met with overwhelming love from the Father and provide for us a privilege to unify with the Father. These, these things are, are inter, interlaced. He begins to testify that if you don't hold to this, it's because you don't have the guts to love him. Right? There's a bumper sticker I used to have on the back of my truck. It said, real men love Jesus. I had it on my lunchbox. I had it on my hard hat. And that was a beacon for everyone around you to ridicule you. Call you all kind of names of persecution. And I took it as a badge of honor. You can call me whatever you want, but I love Jesus, and I have the guts to live it. Not just wear a bumper sticker. My life is a bumper sticker, declaring that I'm in love with the King of Kings. And as a result, the Father poured out his love on me, and I had a a love to fulfill and obey his commands. It was reciprocal. See, Jesus is testifying to the Father's will and what must be done to complete the Father's will. And that substance... Is called guts. It takes guts to do God's will. If it was easy, everybody else would do it. You could be able to buy a prepaid guts card at Walmart. And every time something difficult happened, you just slide it on through. 
It's already prepaid. You didn't have to sacrifice it all for it. But no, Jesus set the example for us that it takes guts to do God's will. <laughs> or target, one or the Just, other. <laughs> this church has absolutely been built upon the principles of holy masculinity. Mm -hmm. It's been built on the understanding that it's going to take the kind of backbone that comes from heavenly resolve to be able to achieve what God has. When we're looking forward to many, many, many things that this church has yet to accomplish, has yet to achieve, has yet to acquire, the Lord is going to make sure that it requires that we understand that we have uh, the guts needed to do it. Let's look at verse 25. Verse, the very next verse. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Amen. You mean it's not about your intelligence? Yep, that's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit will teach you and then he'll remind you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Are you hearing the reoccurring theme here, church? Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Come on now. Jesus begins to testify of an advocate. An advocate the Father will send to teach and remind you of everything. Anybody need a little help remembering some things sometimes? Anybody realize that the more you start to make lists... The harder it is for you to remember where you put the list. <laughs> See, the problem is, is that we are like sheep. We need to be reminded. I need desperately to be reminded of things. I set alarms on my phone. I ask for help from Pastor Matt. I ask my wife. I got to get reminders all the time. Why? Because I can easily forget. Tonight is a is a time for us not to forget, but to remember. Let the Holy Spirit both teach us and remind us. Now, Jesus is saying this at the Last Supper. We're going to keep reminding you of this. You know why? Because he keeps reminding them of this. Over and over and over again, what we did was we saw a pattern. We saw Jesus go back to it again and again and again. He kept reiterating this. And then he said that this should bring about shalom in you. Peace I leave with you. Shalom. Let's get your life in right order. My peace I give to you. Come on now. This, is just a, this just isn't shalom. This just isn't peace. This is the peace of Jesus Christ that's supposed to come upon you. Come on. Isn't that the right kind of peace? Isn't that the kind of peace that we need to walk in every day through our difficulties, through the good days and the bad? He's saying, my peace I leave with you. I don't give it the way the world gives it. He's telling you not to be troubled. Come on, LCM. Don't you be troubled. Don't you be afraid because God is with you. He is going to give you. He has sent to us as a gift the Holy Spirit, the advocate. What is an advocate? An advocate is one who is fighting on your behalf, who is standing and making sure just exactly what Jesus did between the heavens and the humanity. This is what the Holy Spirit now does with us in an ongoing, every day, every moment way where there is someone who's on your side. There's someone who's advocating for you. I didn't say something. I said someone is advocating for you. The Holy Spirit himself is advocating for you. Don't you be troubled. Don't you be afraid. you got to just stand up and have the guts to keep going in what the Lord has said to you. Let's look at verse 28. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. I mean, think about what's about to happen in the next 24 hours or so. You would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Do you see how Jesus is setting up his disciples for success? He's, he's like a very, he's the perfect uh, father reminding his children right before he walks out the door to go on a trip over and over again i'm going to remind you about your task yep i'm going to head out i'm going to come back we're going to take care of these things don't worry about this don't worry about that i'm going to make sure you have everything you need to succeed 
And I'm going to give you the constitution to have the guts to do my will, even though I'm no longer standing right next to you. In fact, Jesus now, having unified his disciples, having testified about the Father's plan, he begins to glory in his Father's plan. To the point where you should have sadness, crucifixion's coming. Oh, he's saying, this is a time to be glad. This is a time to rejoice because of what God's plan will reveal and what it will provide for you. You should be overflowing with joy, knowing what's about to happen. See, he glories in who the Father is and his will by stating the Father is greater than I am. He is giving the Father glory on the, on the, the precipice of going to the cross because there's resurrection power right on the other side of that. Jesus is going to the Father with glory, but get this, to gain more glory. He is going to the Father with glory, but to gain more glory so that he could return with more glory. See, it wasn't just about him going to the Father and hanging out there. It's that one day he will return, put his feet here on earth, and bring that glory of resurrection power here on earth, inside of you and me, and encompass the whole planet with that glory. But he had to have the guts to go through what he did in order that God's glory could eventually be filled in his disciples, be filled in you and me, and fill this entire planet. Let's remind you what we've covered so far. Let's put that slide back up. The guts begins with glorify, moving to unify, moving to testify. But did you see this is a cyclical pattern? It happens again and again and again. The same way that Jesus is going over this pattern again and again. He wants to make sure that his disciples get it. This is the same reason why we're going over it again and again. You're all very highly intelligent people. But you know what it's like when you're standing in the midst of hardships and and being pressed. Intelligence just leaks right out. And we need something that's very simple. I mean, these guys spent three and a half years next to Jesus all day, every day. And he still broke it down to this simplistic pattern because he knew what they needed to endure and have the guts with joy to do God's will. Church, what a great picture of how to glorify the Lord. Jesus Christ himself is bringing glory to the Father by saying, the Father is greater than me. You want to start learning how to glorify the Lord in your life? You start looking at your brothers and holding them in higher esteem than you hold yourself. You begin, I think there's some scriptures about that. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. See, what Jesus is doing is laying down this pattern. You can't have and bring glorification to the Lord unless you start off at a place of unifying, unless you're testifying. of the. This is a cyclical process. Let's look at John 15, 5. This continues on. We just talked about the glorification. Now look at John 15, verse 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow, this is some honesty going on here from Jesus Christ. Still red letters, still the same conversation. Like a parent who's reiterating, who's repeating, who's recalling, who's restating. Jesus is working on the hearts of his sanctified ones. Is there a parent in here who gets tired of hearing your own voice repeat things? (laughs) Much like you get tired of hearing your name, especially if you're mom, 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 mama, mom, mom. See, there's a reiteration process that Jesus is doing here. He's stating the exact same truth from a different perspective. He's like, if you haven't gotten it yet, I'm going to wash your feet so you can see that we're unified. I'm going to go through this process to make sure you know that we're supposed to be unified. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a metaphor now. I'm going to help you to explain it. I'm saying it to you again. It's the same meal, and he's going back to the same thing. Now, let me explain it to you like a vine and the branches. Apart from me, you can't achieve anything. But I'm trying to give you something beautiful. That's the negative way to look at it. But we're not going to be negative tonight. You're going to look at this the positive way. Do you know how you're going to bear fruit and fruit that will last? You stay connected to the vine. You stay unified with him. And this is what is allowing us to accomplish what we must accomplish. 
Anybody ever tried to bear fruit apart from the Lord? You might even be trying to, quote unquote, do something for the Lord. But the whole part of this cycle that Jesus is teaching, the whole part of the truth that he's trying to get across to us is, you know you can't. You know that you can't start something that once began in the spirit and try to achieve it in the flesh. You can't do it. But the good news is, is if you stay unified with him, if you stay connected, he will make sure that you're able to testify of his goodness and you're able to glorify the Lord because you achieve what you're supposed to achieve. I want to encourage you tonight, church. This is going to be a church of people who fulfill their call in Christ. This is going to be a church of people who say, I know I can't do it by myself. I've done that for a long time before, but I won't keep doing that. I'm going to stay connected to him. I'm going to stay united with him and watch him work in me. The confidence that we have by staying united with him is that then we can properly testify about who he is, particularly in the midst of persecution. Don't you find that whenever someone begins to persecute you, say things about you at work, family members that come against you, that it's your unity remaining in the vine that allows you to have that nourishment, that encouragement from the Lord to stand true to your deep convictions, be immovable on them, and do it with a great big smile on your face? That then is a testimony of God's resurrection power at work within you. It gives you the guts to be able to stand up for righteousness when no one else will. And it may even cost you a bit of persecution. But praise God, that's a reason to rejoice. Because you're demonstrating the intestinal fortitude of doing God's will. And with a great big smile on your face. Isn't that right, Andrew? Show me a big smile, Andrew. Yes. I can barely see your teeth. But yes. Amen. John 15, 26 goes on to say this. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he, everybody say he, he, talking about the Spirit here, he will testify about me. And you also must testify. So the Spirit testifying, guess what? The Spirit's inside of you. What are you going to do? Come on, what are you going to do, church? Well, this is a house filled with men and women of God who have the guts to testify because they have the guts to be filled with the Holy Ghost at all times. Having that right word for the right time and establishing his shalom with it. Let's go on to John 16 and look at verse 13. It says this, but when he, the spirit of truth. Are y'all with us on our, uh, our pronouns here? When he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. Amen. He will not come and speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Are you hearing the repetition that Jesus is doing here? He's going over it again and again, but he's giving you clarity with each time. He's being more precise. He's being even more clear as it's going on because of the repetition. You're getting that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to help you to do this. Look at verse 14. He will glorify me. Yeah, he will. I thought you just said the Spirit will also testify. Yes, yes, he will do both. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Church, not only does the Holy Spirit help you to testify and help us to testify, but the Holy Spirit also glorifies Jesus by making known to us everything that Jesus has spoken. What, what the Father has in mind, what the Son has spoken, is it becomes to the glory of God for Him to reveal that to us, for the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. That is glorifying to God by you getting what you need from the Holy Spirit. Come on. See, to glorify God, it requires a special dose of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you got to make sure that what you are after, you're getting the word, that testimony. You're getting this of glorification through the Spirit, and He's at work in our lives. Look, church, we've done this as a cycle now. I think you got the cycle. I think we got it figured out. we got to have guts, right? We're going to show this to you in John 17 as we get ready to close out the thought. But you're going to want to come with us. Because in John 17, let's start in verse 3. 
you're going to see exactly how this plays out and the goal of what Jesus was shooting for. Are you there, church? Not just opening your Bible, are you mentally aware in there? Amen. Verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. See, Jesus has unified with the Father. He has the testimony of completing the work that the Father gave him. And he is glorifying the Father in this instance. It's culminating. We're getting to the end where he's about to be arrested in chapter 18. And he is lifting up uh, intercessory prayer. And he is declaring that he is ready to complete exactly what the Father has laid out for him. He's going to go on public display demonstrating that he had the guts to do God's will because he knew the glory that would come from it. Oh, what message this is for you and me. Church, we, we can't just intellectually ascend to the image of Jesus having the guts to do God's will. This is something that should be driving us every day of our lives. Anytime something is difficult, you see it as an opportunity to display the divine. Because that's how he saw the cross. That he was going to have the opportunity to glorify the Father, finish the work that he had called him to, and have resurrection power fill his body. Now, I've talked a lot of, about waking up in the morning and some of the sermons past. It takes resurrection power to get me out of bed in the morning. I got to have guts to get out of bed and walk to the bathroom because my knees may give out at any moment. They will break in half and I fall on the ground and can't get back up again. It's actually a real thing. But how much more whenever something is weighing on my soul and I begin to pick up my head and my hands and I begin to rejoice, say, Father, I glorify your name because today you have set the day for me to do your will. I have the guts to walk right into it, no matter how difficult it is, because I expect and I know and I'm certain that your resurrection power is going to fill me at any moment. Amen. It doesn't matter what hour of the night I get a phone call or text, I'm putting on my shoes, I'm putting on my socks and, and everything else, and I'm going to run to that difficulty knowing that God will give me the right word for the right time. Church, do you want a right word? Do you want it at the right time? Well, you will receive it when you have the guts to go do God's will. And more than that, you will be the one that will have the right word for the right time. Come on now. Let's look down at verse 13. John 17, 13 says this, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Get it. Jesus has been teaching. He's been working through the Pesach meal. He's been working through this timing here. We're going through multiple chapters, but we're just still talking about one evening, one extended conversation over a beautiful meal. What they're doing here is he's working, he's working, he's working. Well, shouldn't he have been able to say it one time and then move on? Sure, but he didn't. He kept reiterating it. I, I resemble and I need that remark. Keep saying it. I thought I got it the first time, but you're saying it again. Maybe I didn't get it. Okay, I'm listening. Okay, you're saying it again, Jesus. And now your prayer time is you're saying it yet again. How important is this for us? To make sure that we're glorifying him, that we're unifying with our brothers and with God's plan, and we're able to testify even in the face of the most harsh persecution. See, this is important for us. He's saying that you may have the full measure of his joy within you. Yeah. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Come on, church. When was the last time that somebody just hated you? Somebody's like, uh, today. No, that's, we're, we're doing this, Pastor. We, we got this. He's reiterating the pattern yet again. Why? Because he wants them to have the discernment that comes from knowing the sign yes. of the times that they're about to enter into. 
I have a habit of repeating myself sometimes. I'll say something, and then I'll kind of say it again in a little bit different way, because I have this innate desire as a pastor to make sure that you're understanding what I'm saying. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again, and I might even say it again, because I want you to get it, and I know that I need it a lot more times than I realize I do on the first go-around. I always think I get it on the first go-around. but I don't. Jesus' kindness here is he's praying. Why? So that they can have the full measure of joy within them. He's giving them the, his word. And what happens? You want these sanct- he wants these sanctified ones to be full of joy. See, when that word is given, though, there's something about people who are full of joy, able to look at the, the enemy right in the face and put on a smile. It causes people to hate you. This is what real Christianity is about, is about people hating you. It must be this way. This is what Jesus said. And you know why? Because you don't belong to the world any more than he does was his prayer here. So if the world isn't hating you, well, we won't go there tonight. We're going to focus on the fact that when you are just like him, then you don't belong to the world any more than he did, and they will hate us for it. See, here we are again. We see the persecution, though, but full of joy. And the Word of God, these things are inextricably linked together. He's helping us by giving us the pattern that we're to live our lives by. Pastor, I want to do one more verse here. Verse 15 says this, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I love the clarity of God's Word. See, We are not only trying to not get out of this world, we're not trying to get out of the difficulties that we're in. I mean, we've already been studying this, that that when we're trying to escape, it actually eviscerates the evidence that we're supposed to have of the kingdom. You guys are building this rightly. You're seeing God be manifest in your life. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you as one of your pastors here. I want to let you know that the direction that we're on is one that God is doing a great metamorphosis on the inside of us. That the working that we're seeing, that the working that's going on, we're changing. I'm not what I was yesterday, church. I'm not what I was last month. I am changing into be more like him and more and more and more like him. And he's showing this to us because he's got a work for us to do. He's got a land for us to conquer. He's got a church for us to build. He's got disciples that must be grown up in this place. We've got a call here. We've got a purpose. And God is helping us. We don't want to escape the difficulties. Man, that's the very thing that's helping us grow into what we're supposed to be. Let's look at verse 16 together. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify. Say sanctify. Sanctify. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Do you see the the connection between the two? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Let me help you just with the beginning of the word sanctify. It means to set apart, to make holy, particularly for divine use. So when Jesus is coming to the end of his days... And the last words to his disciples, he is interceding for them. And he is saying, Father, sanctify them. Set them apart for your use. For your divine nature to inhabit them. And your word is truth. So church, in these last hours that Jesus was with his disciples, he is giving them the Father's word. Remember, he... He never said anything that he didn't hear the Father say. And by giving them the Father's word, he is sanctifying them. He's allowing them to be set apart for the Father's use. But he is reminding them over and over and over again that they are set apart for the Father's implementation. Let's bring this down home where we're at sitting right here. 
every single one of you, because of your love for the Lord, surrendering your life unto Jesus, allowing his word to permeate your heart, mind, and soul, it is reminding you again and again and again that you are set apart for God's use. You are sitting in here because the Father values you enough to shed the blood of his own son, purchasing you so that he can use you. No one is to sit upon the vine and bear no fruit. Every person in this room is called and sanctified by God to go and bear fruit. And bear fruit particularly in the midst of trials and tribulation. That hard pressing time when everybody else caves to their carnality. You rise with resurrection power. You rise. You begin to take out those stones out of your back pocket and you say, I am a son of the living God. I am an ambassador. I am a participator in the divine nature. You're knocking down those feelings of insecurity with one stone, one gate after another, after another. Because what God desires, what Jesus is interceding for his disciples then and for us who would believe is that we would rise up in the confidence knowing that we have a purpose that the Father wants to accomplish. We have a will designed by God that no one in this church is called to just exist. You are called to overcome in the name of Jesus. And I see some things at work here. In our cycle, we had glorify. We had unify and we had testify. But I saw this word sanctify. And I began to, to ask Pastor Wade, we begin to pray. It's like, Lord, uh, we need some help here. We didn't know how this connects, particularly between sanctify and glorify. And we begin to see it. Let's put up this slide. We begin to see that when you are set apart for God's use and you go through the process of having guts, to do God's will, that is what brings you to the point of glorifying the Father and Him glorifying you. Come on, when Jesus is there and He's rejoicing that He is going to complete the Father's will, go to the fullest extent of it, the telios, and complete it, He is certain that He is going to glorify the name of the Father. What are we shooting for as a church? What we're shooting for is to fulfill the purpose and destiny for which the word sanctified us for. It set us apart. Come on, raise your hand if you got a mezuzah. That should be every hand in the room. Whether you know it or not, it's still there. God's purpose has put it inside of you. You've been set, of, set apart. You've been sanctified so that you could go through the process of giving God glory whenever you complete it, bringing about unification with other people to that purpose and testifying in the midst of persecution about the glory and nature of God. You are called to overcome. You're called to demonstrate guts with a big smile upon your face. Come on, everybody, put a big smile upon your face. Say, I am called by God. I am called by God. To give him glory. To give him glory. Don't ever say you don't have a purpose. You just said so. God has given you the privilege to participate in this process. And it is a joy for us to go through this process. Church, we know that you are a group of people who want to give God glory. You want to give him glory in your marriages. You want to give him glory in your parenting. You want to give him glory as singles, as single people who are looking forward to being married. You're, you want to give God glory, but that has to go through this process. This is the iterative process. It's the ongoing cycle of what it takes to be able to see and to bring God glory. But once you bring him glory one time, you don't stop there. No. You keep coming back and going, oh, man, I know what this is like now. Yes. Let me find some brothers. Let me find some ministry partners. Let me find some people that we can do this with. We can all testify to how much we need him, to how much we are unable in and of ourselves, and yet with his strength, we are completely able to handle what we've got before us. Amen. That testifying leads us back to the sanctification process. For our final scripture this evening, let's turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, and we're going to look at verse 15. Somebody say guts when you get there. Yeah. 
Yes, good job, AJ. It says this, I have written you quite boldly on some points. <laughs> this is Paul. He, he's written you quite boldly on some points. As if to remind you of them again. It's almost like Paul understands what Jesus was doing here in John. Because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. The vast majority of people here in this room, you can understand this because this is what we're, what we're called to. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Some have a higher calling, but that's the rest of us here in the room. With the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet with us tonight. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, to proclaim the very word of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable. All right, Gentiles. I know that we want to be an offering acceptable to the Lord. I know that we want to glorify Him. It's going to demand of us that we unify with His plan. Wives, husbands, it's going to demand that you unify in the oneness that comes from the heavens. No other unification is allowed in this to understand, to get to glory, to get to glorifying what the Lord has. You're going to have to testify. And we are surely going to have to be sanctified tonight. Look, as Pastor Matt closes us in prayer, I want to encourage you that the same way that you're going to be truly unified is through the Holy Spirit. The same way that you're actually going to be able to testify, that you're actually going to be able to glorify, and that you're actually going to get sanctified is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, there is nothing. We're a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, but we need Him to sanctify us tonight, to be moved by His Spirit, to be able to accomplish what He has for us and glorify His mighty name. Come on, raise your hands to the Lord. When as we pray, I want you to ask the Lord to remind you of who you are. Remind you of the calling that he's given you. Remind you that you have his divine nature working inside of you. Come on, the forceful, enter into it. Begin to lift up your voice in prayer now. Let your cry go to heaven. Lord, I need your help to remind me right now of who I am inside of you. Let your Holy Spirit come and sanctify my heart and my mind. Lord, bring back to remembrance the words that you've spoken about my function, about my role in this body. And Lord, let your power fill me to carry it out. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you for reminding us of who we are inside of you. In Jesus' name, amen.